is your girl Valen. You are now tuning in to the Hood Talks Podcast, where community voice matters. Hey, what is up, y'all? This is your girl Vanna, and I am bringing you all another dope storytelling segment. I'm super excited to have this conversation with this guest. Um, man, I know she's going to bring an impactful story, so keep listening in. Hey, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. Thank you for being here. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I've been so waiting for this. You said who? I've been waiting for this. You've been waiting. You've been waiting. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm finally delivering. I'm finally nah. delivering. Uh, I had you on my radar. You was, you was, you was on my radar. Um, so let's get into it because I know you got a story to tell. You got a story yes, to tell. So let's get into it. Let's tell the people who you are. Okay. I'm Devin. I am a 37-year-old mother, single mother of a beautiful boy named Caleb. And we are just trying to survive, honestly, just trying to make a life for my son. And I that, you know, one, he won't meet there before. Two, that is safe and secure. And um, just trying. <laughs> trying to, you know, remain resilient. Um, I am, I sing, I do it all. Honestly, I don't think the only thing I think I haven't been is like a trash person. So a trash collector, but other than that, I pretty much have done, I've done it all. So (laughs) done it all to survive that part. Done it all to survive. St. Louis is a survival mode. (laughs) Hello. St. Louis is a survival mode sometimes. The dirty. Yeah. Three one four. So let's 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 take it back. Let's take it back. Hey. Let's tell the people about You're singing. I'm singing. I'm just telling you. Girl, Start... I, we could we could flow off each other. It makes it more entertaining, I think, for the listeners. All I don't right. know. <laughs> Y'all don't like it, let me know. I'll stop singing. Uh, <laughs> That's my spirit. Don't care if you don't like it. That's my spirit. That's my spirit. <laughs> I love music. Um, but let's let's take it back for the listeners and let's talk about your childhood, how you grew up, where you grew up, all that good stuff. Okay, so I am originally from Denver, Colorado. Um, I pretty much sound like it. I've been living in Missouri for the adult and adolescent part of my life, and I still do not have the accent. <laughs> so a little heard there and there, like occasionally I will sound like I am a St. Louis in or even a Kansas City in, but I'm about to say that her definitely <laughs> lets people know where you're from. Yeah, that part. My heart belongs to Denver. I love it. I miss the mountains. Um, and I still have tons of like family extended uh, that live there. So I moved to Missouri when I was uh, right before my 11th birthday. And um, my mother had gotten trans ministers specifically. And I can't attest to what everybody else does, but I was definitely approved. Um, <laughs> very, very wrapped up in, you know, the falsehood of virginity and all these things. Um, clearly I'm not that anymore. Cause I have a whole child. Okay. So moved to Kansas city and it was pretty rough. I'm not going to lie. Um, I think that's the first time I had dealt with like depression. I remember I was nine years old. So moving there and no one really liking me 
Um, and I'm, I was definitely a people pleaser back then. Sometimes I still delve into that, but I went to um, Lincoln. Shout out to all the LCPA people. I did not graduate from there. I spent what my first two years of high school there and then graduated from Center High School in South Kansas City, went to Columbia for college to do elementary education, early elementary education with a minor in music. So basically a music teacher. Okay. And I um, found my way uh, back to Kansas City after one year. It was just like, ugh. <laughs> we had a lot of young staff. We had a lot of people like that just didn't care. I went to Stevens College, by the way. Okay. For yeah, for a year. And I can still, you know, glean from a lot of the things that I learned there. But I then uh, just honestly, I've been working ever since I was the intention was to go back at a different university that did not pan out that did not happen. And um, inadvertently, I got a job at a bank and I was very close to my grandmother. The first PK uh, that I was was a preacher's grandkid. So (laughs) (laughs) I was was definitely devastated. She passed away um, from brain cancer. Uh, So it was lung cancer that metastasized into uh, brain cancer. And so that hit me really hard. And that I checked myself into uh, the psychiatric hospital and I was there for like seven days. It was very scary and devastating. And I cried and didn't eat for like two days. And uh, we, that's when I first started honestly taking care of my mental health. That, that was the first hey, huge kudos step. to you for even identifying <laughs> that you needed to check yourself in. So some people don't get to that step. So kudos to you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and I knew there was a stigma. I had already delved into like high school. I was very depressed, very depressed for a number of reasons that, you know, we'll save that for another <laughs> story time. Another when story the doctors time. come on, you let them, uh, we'll talk about birth control and depression in another life or another segment and I want to be a part of that too but I definitely was very very depressed and um it uh affected me and I didn't get diagnosed until I was 21 and I did not go to that hospital until I was about 25 so my grandmother has passed away or she had cancer and was like it was it was swift basically no pun intended. That was oh, her last right. name, <laughs> but it was swift. It, I, it, she did not live a year past the diagnosis. Wow. Um, and okay. yeah, by, by, by September she was gone. So that hit me hard and it still, you know, affects me because that was like my homie whose yeah. grandma is their home for the most part most of us can rely on grandma and grandmas are like first yeah. mamas to some second mamas you know aunties yeah. they're Best all friends. the above in sense all. they become all of the above those grandmas and then it's like you always know you have somewhere to go hello you always that's know you have exactly what it was yeah <laughs> it, it does it is like that it'd it be like that like even we moved every three years when I was growing up and a couple of times we landed with my grandmother 
So during high school, we got uh, kicked out of our house. Um, another family member actually ended up buying the house, but like it wasn't something that was going to be a legacy or anything. So mm-hmm. we ended up living with her my uh, senior year. Yeah, I think it was junior and senior year. But anywho, uh, <laughs> we I moved to St. Louis after I got out of the hospital. I didn't have anywhere to go. I had like there's such shame with it um, dealing with your depression, and I was I was ashamed. Um, and more so, I guess the fear of people finding out that I had been in the, um, in a, in a mental institution. Right. Right. Um, because people don't, I still, I think they don't understand mental health still to and this let's day. Let's be specific. And if you, cause I think it's our culture, it's a culture oh, yeah. thing. Oh yeah. That we oh, don't yeah. specifically think about or think of mental health in the space of taking care of it we like to say oh some people just say you crazy you crazy and that's not the case and that's not the case and even if you were crazy the fact that you understand I think people just think people are crazy I don't think they take into genetics so I did not find out my mother was bipolar until I was in high school I want to say it was sophomore or junior year Mm. and so those things are genetic and because so many African-American people of color tend to this yeah. way, you know, the, and I'm not religious. I don't consider myself a Christian. Um, I believe in higher being power, um, goddess, <laughs> but I am not really, uh, interested in the organized religion and the perversion of it. I will say, um, that has taken over our community. So I definitely had, I love my grandmother to death, but it was definitely something that was a chemical imbalance for me. And once I understood that, a lot of things started to make sense Mm. about how I was um, reacting to um, my mental health, how, uh, I had a ton of anxiety as a child. And I think anybody who has ever had a gifted and talented child or was a gifted and talented child knows that that is a very stressful thing for a child because people focus so much on how smart you are and you want to make sure that you remain this smart person and it becomes your identity, which, yeah. you know, now I have to do this and I have to do this and I have to keep my grades up and all this other stuff. And I have to, I was actually able to almost skip, uh, not almost, my mother opted out for social reasons, but I was um, supposed to skip third and fourth grade, which would have put me in the same grade as my older sister. Oh. So, <laughs> yeah. And that is a lot. It's all, That's a lot, a lot of responsibility. Yeah. It is. And so that anxiety came at a very young age, but you don't know what to call it then. But um, then it was the depression, um, very dark times, um, suicidal thoughts, attempts, and... I just knew that night I, after, you know, the bad breakup, I lost my job after my grandmother died. Like it was literally a domino effect. And I've talked about this in mom's groups um, with Jamal Village uh, that I don't typically just have one thing happen. It is literally a landslide of things. And so 
even now in our current situation, which I'll talk about in a second. You have to, we, you have to make it a priority. Um, especially, yeah. you know, because it can get um, very, like you said, it can get dark again and those things can go back into, you know, the, the ways of wanting to harm yourself, which we don't want you to do, right? So I'm glad right. that you are making it a priority and kudos to you for doing that because you deserve to do that because we need you here. Your baby needs you here, so... Period. <laughs> period. 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 <laughs> so yeah, I um I took care of myself in order to be a good person. I started going to therapy a little bit after I came to St. Louis because I was on medication, which I still am on, and I am definitely not a medicative person. I, I'm pretty holistic, but when it comes to mental health when that does not help, when it does not benefit me to, you know, go lay in the grass and ground myself, I need some meds and I need that Zoloft ASAP. Okay. So I'm I a mean, um, proponent of that. I think in society, you know, everything isn't going to work for everybody. Um, mm-hmm. Some things naturally aren't just going to work and that's okay. That's why we use medication when we need them. I think it's just... Right. The, the the idea of having to overuse them when they not necessary it's like let's try these ways first which you've done it didn't mm-hmm. work so then let's let's try what is what what the next level and that works so that means you need it you continuously need to use that so right. I, I think we need to stop shaming people for getting those um using medication when it comes to mental health um because sometimes right that natural it just ain't helping you know and again I mean it's, it's, it's genetic yeah exactly it comes yeah. down to what your body is producing and not producing so I just I just encourage people to do research I am a huge proponent of therapy I have a black therapist I've uh, had a black therapist uh for the whole time one of my other ones, she was at a local church because I was still going to church back then. So it was very religion based. And but she reminded me of my grandmother. <laughs> so that was really hard. But then I had that breakthrough and she broke protocol in the sense like of hugging me like a grandmother sometimes. But when you oh, make it such yeah. a big. Yeah. I mean, like when you I think it's just intrinsic intrinsic. Uh, to Black women to be caregivers. We don't all have that gene, and we know that uh, yeah. that's not what we're here for. We're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the fact that this woman nurtured me into being um, open about everything. That was the first time I learned about boundaries. Mm-hmm. And which is important. I was t- girl, I was like 20 something. I think I might have been close to 30 at this point. Yeah. Um, I, I, I definitely was like, what do you mean boundaries? And I had what seen this book. <laughs> I worked in a bookstore. I saw that book by what is I his mean, name? Gary Chapman. Even trying to do boundaries with your 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 parents. Wow, we didn't wow, learn sorry. that. We didn't learn how to do no. like the spouse. No, too. because yeah. we also saw people trying to set boundaries and then being shamed for setting those boundaries or yeah. exiled or 
uh, talked about real bad once they said, you know what, I'm not going to have my kids around this or whatever. So, and I am okay with that. Like you got to make peace with the fact that everybody you start the journey with, I know it sounds cliche. It's not going to be able to handle it. I do not want to be around people who don't advocate for taking care of one's mental health. And since it's such a priority for me, if you want to lay up and be destructive and anti everything and conspiracy theorists, you can do that, but you're going to have to do it away from me. Mm, And I know people literally throw the word toxic around, but if you've been around someone sincerely, wholeheartedly toxic, it definitely, you'll know, you'll know. Yeah, you, <laughs> you, you know what you know. About and like. you have to listen to yourself and know right like what 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 what's your vibes i mean i think that's one thing with us we're spiritual and we vibe so we need to we mm-hmm. need to heed to what we're we're our vibes or our spirituality is telling us and i think we we kind of put that to the side and be like oh no no that's not a right i'm not feeling it so i'm supposed to be feeling that that's not right but in all yeah reality it is yeah take heed to what you're feeling you know period you know i mean there's so many things that used to be passe and now they're so everyday usage like people throw around the word toxic and i do believe that toxic and boundaries go hand in hand for this reason here because when you start cutting off toxic people because of your boundaries (laughs) it changes it your your sometimes it changes the entire trajectory of your life. And I think we get so hung up on that's your mama, that's your daddy. You got to respect them. You got to love them. You only get one. Like you said, oh, that's your boo. That's your love. Because when I'm gone, I don't care. Like that's the thing. Like you really have to get to a point where you of hearts you just don't care you matter more than the family reunion you matter more than the abuses that you've you know involuntarily been a part of and that's where I'm trying to be is as far away as possible but also when you look at me you know I'm not with the shit excuse my language well don't excuse my language I'm drunk oh my this is a talks podcast we good um. <laughs> I, just, I just want other people to get to that but also yeah. like I am not going to be the burden bearer of you figuring that out that's another thing being a people pleaser growing up has just been something that um I still get a little in my feelings about certain things because I'm a sensitive kind of person right, right, right. <laughs> but I also like, I just, like you said, the vibes, I've always been a reader of people's energy. So you can lie to me if you want to, but I know you're lying. You can be, you know, standoffish if you want to, but I know something's up. Like people's energy changes when they are not feeling you or when you fall out. So all that to say, therapy has made me uh, truly a better person because I was definitely in a self-destructive mode and um, I would say, what's the word? Oh, reckless. I feel like I was very reckless after my grandmother died. So let me say and this. I just didn't care. <laughs> let, me, let me ask you this, because you know how the Hood Talks podcast roll and, you know, what we're mm-hmm. trying to, in mm-hmm. a sense, show or accomplish. Um, how could community have better support you in that space? 
when you were, um, and when I think of community, I'm thinking like what resources was out here, the people, mm. are, mm-hmm. like our culture, what could they have, what could have we done better or what could we do better in the sense of people who are in that space? I know you said like, we need to really sh- stop with the shamefulness of mental health and people getting you know help for their mental health, even if it's medication, but what else do you think could have really helped you in that space at that time when you were, you know, at your darkest and, you know, grieving? grandmother um I think I needed the space I needed the space to grieve the way I needed to and I needed people to help and I'll just segue into where we are at currently so my son and I are currently homeless um we had a very nice apartment. I worked my butt off. We've actually been homeless since he was born. So I met a person (laughs) and I got pregnant and uh, I decided to keep the baby. This is my rainbow baby as well. So shout out to all the mothers out there who have suffered through the loss. Um, And I like, I saw someone say, I didn't lose my baby. Like that's not it. Like you don't want to lose something that you want, you know, (laughs) but um, I can't remember the exact quote, but I know they call it pregnancy loss. And so I did not really know anything, but I know that I had an amazing support system during that time. So shout out to the mamas out there who have gone through, you know, losing a child at any stage, quite honestly. Yes, um, but especially when you're expecting something and it's your first time. Yeah, and yeah. I know how prevalent it is, but it still does not take the, the heartache and the heartbreak yeah. out of it. But I say that um, who has been that space in that space too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. I feel like learning, Yeah. Learning that and it not coming through. Yeah. It is definitely. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this is also, this is also, I think it was last week. I think they only do a week, but I also believe like this is a very interesting time because this is like the anniversary of me losing my uh, baby. I lost the baby on October 8th in 2016. So yeah, it's been it was very hard, but I also had that support system. So let me, let me, just, we are, let me yeah. say this real quick and then we're going to keep going, but I just want the listeners to tune into that. You see that a mother will never forget that day. They will never, never. forget that day. Never. So I just wanted to point that because I, I think about that too. The day comes around. The, the, yeah. it, it's like it's re- plays right back in your head it does. <laughs> as, it does. as if it was it happening really all does. over again. You never forget that day. You never forget that child. You never forget that pregnancy. You never forget what happened to you. None of that. It's all still there imprinted. Um, and I think people don't realize like you're still postpartum after you, your body is already changing. Yep. So I did not make it to eight, 12 weeks. I, I believe I was right at eight weeks and I told everyone. And I think that was to my benefit because in telling people I had more support. And I know I respect people who don't wanna share those things with other people, but me, I am a sharer, um, occasionally an overshare, just depending on who you ask. But um, I, I definitely feel 
like life without Dion, there's always going to be that space, you know, that my child could have a sibling or whatever, or that could be my only baby. Who knows? <laughs> but um, we we had a rough pandemic. Let's just put it that way. So we moved after my son was about two months. Roommate and I fell out. Um, I moved back to Kansas City, you know, people telling me, throw your stuff in the bag and throw your stuff in a box, throw it in the truck, we'll figure it out when you get there. I was there for nine months, and I saw four people, four people, yeah, my best friends, um, uh, yeah, it was, it was devastating, quite honestly, and I think people don't focus on we focus so much on the pregnancy and the baby shower and the, oh you're so cute oh look at your mm-hmm. bow it's honestly something that probably accelerated my postpartum depression was not having any support after and I know there's a lot of videos out there now coming out about you know how India they stay with the mother the mother-in-laws will come from India to America to care for the child for the mm-hmm. first year we are the only country who tells mom, hey, I know you've been growing well, this work after six weeks. Hello? I know you've been growing this person for nine months, three seasons, you know, but also we need you to come back to work. You don't yeah, need or there's no village support. The trauma, the trauma of yeah. having a child, whether it was beautiful or not, your body is in trauma. <laughs> like it, uh, everything has to go back your organs move out of place they got to come back to the place so everything your hormones go up and so all things happen to a woman in her body and we're just saying oh thank you for having the baby now here you go go on about your business here's a plate see you later if you get a plate if you if get you get a plate nothing nothing else there's tons of women who never had anybody and I do think that I was cared for immensely during my pregnancy um but like I don't (laughs) when I look at my baby shower pictures I had a baby shower in Kansas City as well as here and so when I look at my baby shower pictures I'm just like I don't even talk to some of these people (laughs) anymore uh three years three years has done a lot and I feel like there's a couple things and I will say this and I know I'm gonna get some you know people in my amen corner um having a baby when your children do not changes your relationships if not removes people from your life because I used to be one of those people that said just because I don't have a baby doesn't mean I don't girl girl I feel like I owe all the mothers out there who I ever uttered those stupid words in front of I agree. I, I think apologies. about that too. I'd be like, how was I trying to tell somebody to parent and I wasn't even a parent? Oh, back, I'm sorry. I did not have no idea of what this None. is like or what this entails. And you won't know until you, you become won't. a parent. Um, I even, you know, in some sense, I'd be like, babysitting and being the auntie is not the same it's thing as being not the same. Being the auntie is much easier because you can take that baby right on back to the <laughs> and I literally have to say that yeah so people out there who ain't got kids <laughs> don't be trying to tell nobody how to be don't don't do it yeah no. I mean it that goes from foster you know adoptive parents all those things that you thought you knew before the child was in your care and under your jurisdiction so to speak 
24 7 mm-hmm. like regardless of even if they're at school but um we yeah. we just we've been homeless for a month so I guess homeless to the point of like sleeping in the car I will say that wow. we have never had to sleep in a car we have always had people to you know crash on a couch here and there stay at the house somebody had an extra room somebody made an extra room blah 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 a corner space or whatever and so I've been dragging our stuff around up and down 70 for three years and so so I I love to ask these questions because another thing is like I'm trying to get people to look into someone else in a sense point of view or shoes um so what is that in detail like can you tell us how someone who hasn't been in the situation of being homeless can you tell them what does it feel like to you in your eyes and and to put them in the space of where you are now or yes going through that process um, the process is absolutely exhausting. Uh, filling out paperwork is exhausting. Knowing that you don't have the right paperwork, not, and you also don't have the money to get the paperwork. There's people walking around right now with no birth certificate, like on their, in their possession. Like there's people who are walking around with, oh, I lost my social security card or whatever. And so these are documents, your, your ID, your state ID. Um, we've had so many addresses in the last three years and stability is such an important thing. And I think St. Louis really frustrates me for so many reasons. I'm gonna tell you this, um, the listeners need to really understand um, as somebody who I, I will divulge, I got an emergency section eight voucher because my son and I were basically, it's a dangerous situation when you're living in a car, especially with a child. So I skipped the line and I want you to guess <laughs> your best estimate as to where they are on the housing list. As in people or as in like years, time frame. Either, both. <laughs> Ooh, people how many people in St. Louis is probably asking or on the section A list I would say probably a thousand or thousands um which is horrible get more specific get get deeper than that <laughs> um like number okay uh 1100 um and they no um, no no I want to tell a short, a short anecdote. So last summer, I don't know if anyone heard about this, but I call them the Philly 50. It was 50 homeless families in Philadelphia. They embarked upon getting housing. They weren't getting it from the city. They had, they were on the list for years. And when you are homeless, you do not have years. You do not have weeks. You, you do not have days. And they live on a coast. So we get a little different winter than coastal people who live off large bodies of water. So these women and men found houses that were on the list that the city had minor repairs. Philadelphia had $1 billion with a B, y'all. B, $1 billion to fix homes. And they were behind. Mm. And I have so many ideas about... (laughs) My mind races when I think about how to solve these issues and how easy it would be for me in a leadership role. And I know there's bells and hoops and sacred cows all over this country. And this is how we've always done it. And don't come in here trying to disrupt the status quo. I totally get that that is part of the government's job is just to give you the fucking runaround, period, point blank. Um, 
that's not I we have a center here in St. Uh, in St. Louis called the St. Patrick Center. It's where all the homeless people embark upon for even a meal for a day, clothing, medical care, showers, all these things. And we still have thousands of people. I would say, okay, you're, with your guess, you are wrong. One, the list is still being pulled from 2014. Wow. And we're in they are still trying to house people in St. Louis from 2014. Wow. I just want everybody to sit with that. It is almost, we are two months out from 2022. Yeah, we are. We're close to 2022. Very close. And we've been through a pandemic that's Hello. lasted several years. Hello. So that alone. The housing is awful. The housing I was that alone, how I can imagine being homeless in that space. I um, have never found any, no city has a great um, review of their housing authority. So St. Louis is no different. Um, but what I will say is that I had a white friend who did, who we actually lived with. Her husband works for the housing authority. And they were, uh, when Caleb and her went to school, they were besties. So it was very, very um, interesting to, we stayed with them for about a month, actually. So she actually came down to the St. Patrick Center. The, the, the housing authority is in disarray. No one knows. The left hand don't know what the right hand's doing. The top don't know what the bottom's doing. No, everybody has different information. And I think you would hear that same story if you were in Philadelphia. So to finish that Philadelphia story out, the city tried to sue them and evict them from these houses. They put the utilities in their name, they made the repairs and they wow. kept the houses up and they tried to kick these families out and the families won. And that is huge. Is that huge. is huge. Wow. Everybody in St. Louis knows that the housing here, you can go down any block in St. Louis, South City, North City, Mid City, and you will see an abandoned house. You yes. will see a house that may be burned down yeah. and it's just sitting there so I feel like a lot of the houses in St. Louis were livable but when you just board them up and not do anything with them don't do anything but maybe cut the grass and that's only because can you ticket yourself for you know your grass growing (laughs) as high as defensive no so they want to so-called make an example of like how great they are and I understand the pandemic is doing things uh a little side note on the pandemic I would not believe the hype of people not wanting to work. I'm telling you not to believe the hype of people not wanting to work. Hmm. Okay. One is that nobody is willing to work for pennies. Two is that a lot of people started started successful businesses where they make so. money, have more time to be a family or mm-hmm. to travel to do in the so, world. To take care of self. Period. To just take care of self. And we're not in our society we're not allowing that as that it should be something that which should be normal you should be able to take care of yourself and not kill yourself to make pennies that you can't live for live with that can't i'm not interested yes exactly i'm not interested in retiring at 65 i want to be old but you're still struggling because we don't even have 65 year olds that can just sit down anymore they're still out here working. They're working these low-end jobs. So it's not like after 65, you can just go sit on a beach or something. 
And I don't think that that's appropriate. I think somebody who is 70 has the right to sit down because if you're thinking about when they were allowed to work, they were working before child labor laws were a thing, first of all. Why am I still working? And I think people get offended. No one's telling you you can't do something, but I would rather you have a hobby that keeps you busy than a nine to five where you're getting paid and you can't keep your lights on and all that. And I want also, I want the viewers to understand that everyone is literally a paycheck or a bad landlord away from, if you do not own your home. (laughs) That's true. You are one. This is not. Even this is not saying it. anything is wrong with renting. I'm not coming down on renters. I am a renter. Um, I have been a renter, so this is not saying go buy a house. So you, I don't care what y'all do with y'all money and y'all housing. I'm saying that there are thousands of houses and thousands of people in St. Louis. There are literally what is it? I think there's at least four four schools that typically they turn the schools into elderly housing for homeless people or low-income people, people living on social security, because they're already ADA um, set up, meaning that they already have the capacity, they already have elevators, they already have, you know, Mm. bigger stalls and all these things. So, of course, they're going to just you know, redo some things, but they're already set up to help people who maybe are wheelchair bound and whatnot. Um, Section eight is also, uh, housing is also a problem because a lot of people are not renting. A lot of people are selling right now. Mm -hmm. And also I will tell you, this is someone who's been in and out of Airbnbs for the last month and a half. Airbnb has taken over rental space. People can make what they wait for a month for for rent, you can make in a week. A week, yeah. Because I was Airbnb. Some people, depending on what kind of place you have, yeah, you can make that in a day or two. (laughs) There are luxury apartments that are fully furnished that have, you know, there are penthouses downtown that are on Airbnb for four hundred dollars a night. Yeah. So, um, so people aren't renting anymore. Like you said, no one is nobody. Yeah. nobody and then they have rules and regulations where if you mess something up you know it's taken care of some way somehow um so they you know they ain't have to like really put- they're charging it they're charging it to you you yeah. smoke in an airbnb it's two hundred dollars yeah. you they smell smoke in an airbnb it could have been some next door person if they smell smoke in the airbnb marijuana or otherwise that is two hundred dollars then you get banned from the app <laughs> then you got to go to maybe verbo or whatever but everyone is doing something and also i do believe that that is part of people's income and not want not working for corporate america anymore yeah. because now i make money this is a stream of income for me i did airbnb when i had a two-bedroom in fox park fox park is priced out i just saw that the median price for a one-bedroom apartment and i'm talking like it might not have central air you might only have stairs is a uh, 1000 and up so i'm going to i'm just going to say $1200 for one bedroom wow that's what we're who and who is making that who, who making is that? making that not me who is- <laughs> not nobody working there, no. What they saying? People don't want to work at Burger King or all these restaurants don't have no uh, employees, but no one at Burger King or Rallies, McDonald's making a thousand dollars to where they can work a hundred dollars for mom 365 taking photos of newborns at DePaul for a couple months. I say I think I got hired October 31st, 2019. 
And by 2020, February, no, March, March is when I quit. <laughs> I just had gone over making a thousand dollars total. Wow. And then total. Total. So that was my gross and my net. I had just made over a thousand dollars from October 31st until March. That's unacceptable. That's unacceptable. So how would someone be able to afford rent? And if you don't have food stamps or they're telling you, you make just enough not to get food stamps, like the whole system is very much rigged to keep you there so that they can, people can shit on you about being there, but also like there's, you know, and frown upon oh, you. Oh, we'll help you with housing. We'll help you with this. And then, you know, credit scores are a joke. Insurance is a joke. Anybody who's had to deal with either one of those knows it's a joke. My landlord had two felonies for grand larceny and he managed to buy a building for 173000 I can look up any property and see how much it's written, uh, it's renting for or bought for. They just sold something on Dunica um, Apartments on Dunica in South City for $4.7 million. Wow. So if you don't think gentrification is violent, they are not going to make these apartments. It's semantics a lot of times. So I would like a duplex. They'll call it a condo and charge you $700 more. <laughs> They'll knock out a wall in a four family, make it a two family, and then charge you a house. Mm. But you share in your backyard with somebody, you know, like there's a fence down the middle but it's not a full house like it just isn't so all that to say that the housing market could be great I'm I have a friend uh this is a friend who lives in Dutchtown and I there's tons which is also part of South City off of like Grand that area South South Grand close to Crondelet Park and Loughborough and that area is tons of houses apartment building and they're marble they're marble i mean these are original wood floors and originals you know masonry Who lives in that area uh, i feel like dutchtown is very much a black and white middle class working area but there's definitely impoverished pockets but i think that's everywhere in america okay, that's gonna everywhere. Find. i think that's everywhere. Yeah. everywhere around not even just st louis i think in all of our um states and in our city mm -hmm. that we have we you it's like you can have one block that looks like whoo wow this is really nice and then you skip all we like wait a minute what am i in the same area hold up this is totally different and that's how you'll know that's how you'll know that um that gentrification is there and i say this with my whole chest i have been one not to believe that putting white people in a neighborhood betters it I don't think that is, I don't think that my property value should go up because white people, I do not think that my property value should go down for the lack of white people. Mm. I believe that black people who have owned houses in these neighborhoods are being bought out at pennies. These people are yeah. making millions of billions of dollars. And this is stuff I knew before I was homeless. We're, going through the system is like really tragic. I just got my voucher and i skipped the line from 2014 y'all and there were only about five of us there so they get 14 vouchers i'll tell you that most organizations most housing authorities get 14 maybe 20 if you're lucky vouchers a year 
Wow. So they are very picky about you really have to be destitute, which sucks because being destitute is the worst. But um, I would just, for me, the community can help by one, removing the stigma of Section 8. Yes, we know that people tear stuff up. Yes, we know that Section 8 has a bad rap, but there are really good renters for Section 8. But nine times out of 10, when you see a livable house with like stainless steel and wood floors and granite tops and, you know, backsplash this and a fenced backyard and fire pits and front porches and swings next to a really great park, they're not looking to put a Section 8 person in there. They're not. Yeah. And some of them I mean, like, barely, they don't want barely to put a Black person up. in there, though, honestly. Um, it's never it's never just us but because the the society has you know the welfare queen stereotype yeah First of all, which is a stereotype welfare queen thing is a stereotype yes do your research yeah i'm not even gonna go any further than that google yeah. is free That's for everybody if you really want to know the truth about things then google it and please google responsibly <laughs> you there's, can't trust everything here on the internet either. <laughs> there's a lot of rabbit holes out there that fall into you know you could fall into the conspiracy theory and illuminati and all that that ain't this this ain't that i'm telling you do your research when you're looking into housing and of course we know things like redlining take place in st louis in yeah. kansas city in hell they're doing it in detroit right now like detroit flint you think of you know michigan and all these places like that have had huge, huge successful black populations only to be like thrown by the wayside. And I'm hoping with this new mayor and the, her appointees that in her term, Tashara is able to really put her foot down. And I know it's gonna be hard for her because she's a black woman. <laughs> Yeah, I was say, we a single black mother with black Corey Bush also yeah. shout out to Corey Bush for literally getting in these folks faces all up in Washington she's she's very much a hero for me yeah um, right. I've encountered her once or twice during the Ferguson uprising so um yeah I just I just know that black women get stuff done you're great example of that i'm super proud of you i've told you this in private but i want to make sure i give you your flowers uh to go backwards a little moms need other moms yeah we, and I as think, a community we need other community members so that goes into what i was i wanted to get into at the end of this segment is talk about because i think uh, when i think about community i think about my people i think about in the sense urban and black mm -hmm. black folks mm -hmm. our experiences mm -hmm. Um, so I want to say, how can our community help more in, in the, the eyes of, you know, homelessness? Um, how can we do better? Um, do you, in your, in your perspective, how can we do better? Okay. In my opinion, um, for me, I believe that I'm very pro-Black. I will put it that way. <laughs> I'm very pro-Black. So Black people come first for me. I do believe that we need to really delve into being a community, not telling people what to do with their taxes, not telling people what to not do and what they buy, not shaming people who are poor is a huge part of it because poor people still deserve nice things. Poor people still deserve clean running water. These are basic human rights. 
and for you to shun people because they want to buy their kid Jordan. Leave people alone. Just buy your kid your, you know, buy them the Paw Patrols or the Shack and leave other people alone. That's not your money. And unless you're giving money, then that's it. Also, I would like to call white folks in the community, the so-called allies, to start being very, very, very literal with their giving. And when I say giving, I'm talking, if you encounter a Black person, ask for a cash app. Because I'm all about reparations by any means necessary. If it got to go through Venmo or Cash App to get to me, I'm down with that. And I've had a couple uh, uh, GoFundMes that never actually got to the goal. One, mm. and this is before the pandemic, but white people work is to dismantle all the things that they have perpetuated from their ancestry. So the community work, we can we can figure that out, but I would say for us, we have to, have to, have to, one, start protecting Black women <laughs> um, because we're such an integral part of the community and we are the hardest hit. If you are a Black woman in America, you're beneath, 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 and I, you can, you can look up on YouTube any sensitivity training or racial racial training that they do, it always has black women in the back. It is very rare that we are up there with white women or Asian women, or there's only Native American women are further down than us. And these are still people of color, Hispanic, Latina, all those, all that. Mm. It's always people of color unless you've gotten, you know, something. So I would say um, learn about money <laughs> like I really do believe that they need to be teaching money skills literacy is important it's, we got an episode beyond on it. important Very it's important. beyond important yeah it's beyond important and it's ridiculous and that people you, don't know how to write checks <laughs> you know how to take <laughs> one thing is important that you said though having multiple streams of income we need to really tap into what that yes. looks like and, our and that looks like that looks like community that looks like going to you know supporting each other you see your sister out here doing something that you can support, get behind, especially if it's something that's Period. still happening in your community. I think we definitely need to start uplifting the good and good things in our community. And like you said, and I'm saying like, folks if you're going to get your nails done, if you're going to go get your, go to a black woman, if you're getting your hair done, go to a black person. I know that everybody is starting to train people in multicultural everything because we want to be this melting pot that we just are not. Plain and simple. America is not a melting pot. It is very much a pot of crabs. <laughs> Shout out to crabs, but still, it's very much. Like we are not that. I get what you're saying. If people come time. to this country to be to to be able to be different, um, we know United States of America is supposed to be a different variety of different people. So we should be able to sit into that and not have to necessarily have to to like you said make everyone the same. Um, yeah. it's not going to work in a sense anyway. But so yeah, as a whole, I would say the black community one we need to keep our stuff to us if we want to take it out it needs to be about people giving us equity if we want to go and talk about our stuff because i don't really appreciate when black people tell other you know races and all that about our stuff and not in a negative not in a we don't have the equity we do have the money there's a lot of rich black people. There's a lot of well, well off black people, but we don't have the equity. And we see that 
in stories like, you know, Haughty Toddy Oprah going and looking for this high-end store. And they was like, girl, we don't care. She's a billionaire and they do not care. We see it all the time. We see when these, you know, fashion designers do things. I think we need to just, and I am not saying, give Black people a break, honestly. (laughs) Like, if they have bad service, try again. It may be a bad day. I get that. I can't with also, you Also, I love, I, I have to shout out my sister, Kinfolk Collective. I know a lot of people think she's problematic, but Shay is just a dream. And she literally has helped hundreds of Black families across the country, across, across the diaspora, actually. Um, People follow her all over the world. She's it's kinfolk with a K, collective with a K, and just look into homegrown grassroots organizations that are doing the work. Yeah, to support. Call your representatives. Call your aldermen. Run for alder person. Yes, get into those spaces. So that is really I hate when people say things like, "Well, what is Black Lives Matter done?" Honey, 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 honey. A lot, a lot. The protesting was to get your attention. Now we have people like Cory Bush, all up in the Capitol. You know what I'm saying? Like all up in the legislators' faces. You can do that. Yeah, it I is within you. You can it do that. Right. You are a citizen yeah. of this wretched country, but do the work that you feel compelled to do. If you, I want to see more black big brothers and big sisters see more mentors yeah i want to know where the hundred men of st louis do what they building because i don't never see them out here cleaning the streets or welcoming the children to school organization because i literally they don't even clean the piece of the highway entry i, I have not ever heard of them this is my first time hearing this so i'm gonna have they to have look a brick and mortar building they have a brick and mortar building wow. um, in midtown i want to say educate me because i'm like i I see more philanthropy from like you know um the divine nines I see a lot of them always doing the work and doing the reach uh, I mean they do coat drives and go see the kids and go read like it's simple as that I just it's about just like showing up and being down to and I know children are hard and I know like these new children, these, these pandemic babies, <laughs> these children who are our children, because I have children, I have friends with 18 year olds and 19 year old children. And I'm just saying like, and I say children because they're still a teen, but that's another show too. Um, I want to see the organizations, like, I don't want to hear about men talking about what they can't do, what they won't do. I'm a single mother who is homeless and I still managed to get a forklift training certificate. Mm. I'm trying to make a way. If you got $150 for a bag or whatever, I am calling you out, go get a certificate because here's another thing about hiring processes that I've learned is that they are not doing things the way they used to. They will start hiring people um, based on your life experiences. St. Louis has a, they just opened the the employment again for the city. Y'all know we got them letters about uh, taking our own recycling out because <laughs> they didn't have enough trash people. I said, no, sir, no, ma'am. Um, <laughs> but there's, there's a lot of opportunities to make the money 
And I don't think black people, uh, listen, I see black people working everywhere I go. So whenever I hear they don't want to work, I'm like, who is they? Who is they? Because every Chick-fil-A, every Slim Chicken, every Taco Bell, every every Walmart, I see a plethora of these things. Here's what I know for sure is that they have computerized a lot of things. So while y'all talking about people don't want to work, no, I don't want to stand around and fix computers all day. That's not what I want to do. Because that's what you end up doing. You troubleshooting the broken register. I want to work. I want to be a customer service rep. I like people. I want to talk to people. Um, there's a lot of opportunities out there for us. But I just, I just, I want us all to win. I'm rooting for everybody black, period. <laughs> period. I definitely appreciate um, you uplifting all of that um, and along with coming and talking about your experience and your story and from your point of view. Um, Cause you highlight a whole lot of things that I think is important. Like, you know, really right now we're talking about jobs and employment and how that is going for us. Um, not even just saying how it's affected me. I filled out hundreds of applications child. And I want you to know, I've literally gotten no interviews. And you're not the first person I've heard say that. So that means to say it to me in some sense that I'm, oh, I think that's really that's true. That's what I mean. Don't believe that the hype about people not wanting to work. <laughs> I think it's the jobs being able to hold the capacity in a sense of who wants to I think work. it's the jobs not wanting to pay people for being away from their family for 10 hours or 12 right. hours. Mm-hmm. Nurses should not be on food stamps. Doctors should not be on food stamps. Bus drivers should not be on food stamps. I really do feel like these are emergency situations. I think just the upheaval of the government, uh, and I say that in the most non-conspiracy theory way as I can possibly say, the government is screwing us and we're just screwing them back. <laughs> Honestly, taxes for what? Our roads are still trash. Our schools are still trash. You know, you're paying these people. People make millions of dollars while they sleep while people are sleeping on these streets. And it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense. It hurts my heart. And as somebody who has slept on the street, um, well, in the streets, in a car, but still, uh, someone who's currently homeless, I do not have an address where I reside every single night. That is what homeless means. So if you are sleeping on your friend's couch and using their address, you are homeless. Until you have a lease with your name on it, and you're still technically homeless because you're renting that space. So the washer stop. <laughs> that's just a friend. Okay, that's quite a process. No, I'm fine. I'm I'm grateful for my I'm grateful for my village because as hard as it's been in this month, they have definitely come through. So well be the I, village. Be the village. Be period. The village, period. Come on, Black folks. Let's let's be the village. Um, so shout out to you again. Thank you for coming and telling your story. Thank you for giving me your point of view about our community. No, no. I mean, shout out to the listeners. I hope they listen yes, again. Absolutely. Get a perspective where even if you don't make a change or you can't move and do anything, you, you're listening. And I think that goes a long way also is that hearing someone else's story outside of your own. Because, you know, we get those perspectives where people are like, well, I don't know about that. Or I didn't know. I didn't know. 
Well, here you go. Listening to the Hood Talks podcast. Now you know. It's out here. It's real. It's happening to people. Um, if the, hood talking, okay. the hood is talking. The hood is talking. The hood is talking. I'm trying to keep bringing it, y'all. So, yes. Shout out to you again. Thank you. And, you know, I wish you all the best. Thank you, y'all. Thank you for tuning in to the Hood Talks podcast. This has been another dope storytelling segment. Uh, I appreciate this wonderful lady for coming on and sharing her story, y'all. Keep tuning in. I told y'all I'm not playing. I'm going to keep uplifting my people's stories, y'all. So keep tuning in. If you know somebody that got a dope story that needs to be on this podcast, tell them the story. Tell them come holler at your girl. The Hood Talks podcast. I'm here. We here. We out here. We here. We out. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube page and also follow us on all our social medias. And you can find all of that information at www.thehoodtalk.com.